This is TV8 by Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. We're not going anywhere until we have some information. Who are you? What is this place? What do you think you're going to do with us? I am God, the Master Thrall. This place is the planet Triskelion. You are to be trained and spend the rest of your lives here. That was foolish, Captain. Escape is quite impossible, as demonstrated by your colors of obedience. We hold Provider 1. Provider 1 bids 300 quatloos for the newcomers. Provider 2, 350 quatloos. Provider 3, 400. 1,000 quatloos. 1,050 quatloos. to TV 8 My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Indeed you are. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're a liar if you say I'm not. <laughs> well, you're not actually, like, sitting here with me. Yeah, you kind of well, are a liar, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, through the magic of technology, we're all sharing this time together. We're that's going global with thing. this baby. Yeah, we're t- yeah, we're taking this thing global. Let me school you with some knowledge, bitches. <laughs> You ready to have your mind blown? <laughs> yeah, you ready? You ready to have that mind blown? So that's a good. That's a good thing for us. Again, I still haven't seen Watchmen. Lord, <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, you've had plenty of time now. Greg's already forgotten why he doesn't like it. <laughs> no, no, I, I remember why I don't like it. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> it's not going to be topical by the time you see it. Greg and I are going to have to do a Watchmen mini-sode. No, I was thinking you you should just go ahead and discuss it because it's not like I haven't read the story. I know what's going to happen. Oh well, you're not. Oh well. Well, did I, you like it, Sean? You. Did you I, like? I, the I movie? did like it. I did. Have you read Watchmen, Greg? No. Yeah, so you probably shouldn't. Yeah, you probably <laughs> shouldn't because the book is that that movie's pretty damn close. Well, I know. I and uh, I mean, I know enough about Watchmen to know that it was very, very close to the movie. I mean, I in mean, parts the, verbatim. I mean, I've never seen a more faithful adaptation of a comic. Well, book, I think that sure. might have been the problem. I mean, that, to me, uh, some people you know, are saying that. Yeah, that it didn't I, I mean, translate I'm, because they were trying to be too faithful. But I don't agree well, with that. I think that's what it was too. I mean, I like I understand that the fan, that, like the true Watchmen fans, probably loved it. And I and I thought it was it was a well made movie. Uh, it might just be that I'm not a big fan of the Watchmen story. You may I, not I don't be because I actually think, with the exception of a couple of things, there where they deviated from the book actually worked. Because there are some moments in the comic that I thought were kind of dumb, and well, they actually ahead. took those away. That I, I I hate to. Because Brooks hasn't seen it. Well, there's a couple well, you of things. talk about movies I haven't seen all the time. But you don't watch them because they scare you. That's the difference. That's You're not, not the case. You're going to see them because you'll have bad dreams or something. That's not always the case. <laughs> like I, that's not always the case makes it a powerless argument. 
<laughs> if, you, if it was categorically not the case, you'd have. But to say I don't always have bad dreams because of movies. Just sometimes you do. Well, here's here's it? the the long and the short of it is. I thought there were a lot of things that they did in the movie to recap stuff that happened in the book very cleverly through the use of sort of montage. They actually cover a lot of ground in the opening titles of stuff they don't have to cover, like that that sort of established the nuances of the book. And I thought they did that really well. From what I've heard, that was what a lot of people said was the best part of the movie, the, the little intro at the beginning that everyone said was really awesome. It is very cool. It is. You get the sense, the very strong sense at the beginning of the movie. They're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it's not that the movie lets you down after that, but I mean, it it is almost downhill because they do such a good job of establishing, especially if you hadn't read the book, all these weird ideas just in the opening credits. And it's very right. visually stylish and cool. Well, that was a big worry of mine was that because I hadn't read the book, and I know I should have read, read the book. But Maybe I not. It sounds book. like you're not ready for the book. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad they had that because that was one of the things I was worried about was that uh, I would feel detached from the story if because I hadn't read the book. But they did cover a lot of ground, and you know, and I followed it. You know, I was able to follow the movie, even though I'm not ready for the book apparently. Well, you didn't like the movie. That's all I'm saying. Well, if I, I watched the movie, the movie. If I didn't like a movie, I wouldn't go. I'm going to go out and read the book. That wouldn't be a very good endorsement for me. Well, especially if everyone yeah, says it has killed my desire to read just the, book. Like the book. Yeah, it's not like everyone's <laughs> saying, "Oh, the book's so much better." Everyone's saying, "Oh, it's just like." It. Well, I mean, I think they could have updated it in places to, and and like I said, I know the fanboys won't be happy with it, but they they the biggest thing that bugged me about it was the whole Richard Nixon as president thing. I just you know that's from the book. I actually don't I, well, think that's handled very well. I know, I know well it's an alternate reality type of thing. I get it. I get it. But the, you know, we've had so many other monumental political screw up people since Richard Nixon that I think it would have been easy enough to update it. Well, and, it's funny that it you work. bring that up because that was the big talk. Like there was a fight when, when that of updating the idea of Watchmen. You know, and I think they did that in V for Vendetta, and I think it hurt the story a little bit. You know, where they tried to tie it in a little too closely to sort of modern well, politics. Well, that's Alan Moore's there's a, problem. There's a weird though. timelessness. Alan Moore's problem is that he ties things into the politics of the day, and that's not that's fine if you're just making a comic, but it's not timeless. So, twenty years later, you make a movie. Well, but I think it becomes timeless in in Watchmen because it's so bizarre, because it's set in this weird alternate eighties, and because it's what if we won Vietnam, and what if Nixon were still president? It creates such a, a specific bubble of time as an alternate reality that trying to capture that same feeling and, and modernizing it wouldn't work. It's like creating this almost twisted political fairy tale, like they do. I think it's good that they didn't try to update it. What I thought, I, what I didn't like was, in order to maintain it, they 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 really relied pretty heavily on some gaudy prosthetics to turn the actors into these sort of caricatures of these historical figures, and I didn't really think that worked very well. And and, and I will say that I think story-wise it worked. I just don't think visually. It, it sort of took away when that's one of the first things you see in the movie. I could see a new audience going, what is going on? <laughs> like, if you didn't know Watchmen, I could see that first thing going, oh, this is about to get weird. 
But I think painting a picture of America, especially in America of the 80s, if we had won Vietnam, if there were superheroes and they were only American, you know, it's sort of like American Psycho. It has to be the 80s because <laughs> it sort of is a story about the 80s in a weird way. But I, I like that. I, there's a couple of really – well, there's one very serious part where it deviates from the book near the end. And that's where in the movie, the whole plot that Ozymandias puts together is to is to make the world believe that Dr. Manhattan is blowing up cities and turning him into the villain, which I actually think is pretty clever because in the book, his whole master plan was to genetically engineer this giant mutant yeah, this monster thing or and something. drop it on New York City. <laughs> Yeah, and convince people that we were under attack by aliens. And I always, even though I've loved Watchmen, I've always thought that was pretty weak. Really, I thought it was kind of neat. Always kind of, it's kind of neat. But I mean, it's as a as master plans go, that's that's pretty tacky and elaborate. But it's it's well, kind of it like makes sense come back that, to bite you too. But it makes making the world turning the world against Doctor Manhattan, who is an established threat makes a lot more sense though. And I think in the context of the movie, I think they do a good job of turning that around without introducing one more weird element. That's going to be hard for people to follow. They already use something that exists in the story. Well, I say as a kid though, I thought it made sense and it still does to me in a lot of ways to, if you want to unite humanity, the best way to do that is to introduce something that is not human. Because if, you just pick a, a human bad guy, then people are going to find reasons to sympathize with him or for this, that, or the other. But Dr. Manhattan represents that, though. Everyone's afraid of him. He's become godlike. He is and he's his as alien as an alien monster would be. And he does walk around waving the wang, which <laughs> would bother you in real life if he existed as much. I mean, a two-hour movie, I could almost not stand it. I think I'd hate to see him on CNN every other day. I went and saw it with church friends who never who didn't know anything about Watchmen. That was like, that's, as John Flotation goes, that's probably the most wang I've ever seen in a movie, and it's probably the only computer generated wang. Oh, <laughs> and probably the only what you know at times. Let us hope. Long wing. Yeah, really. He'll grow up to like 100 feet tall. Like, come on. Come on. um, Make yourself some giant pants, man. Was it just gratuitous with it? I felt in some places, yes. Oh, yeah. There was wing all over the place. When they first showed it, I was like, good. You know, they're artistically holding to the original story. They're not shying away. Fine. But it got to the point near the end where you're like, does this have to be a wide shot? For real. (laughs) And we cut to the close up. You like have close ups of other characters and you cut to like the wide shot. I'm starting to wonder about what's his name? The director? The guy he also did 300. 300 Because 300 is all kinds of, you know, naked dude. He likes the greasy manness. He, he likes the ripped, the ripped six-pack guy. <laughs> like these perfect adaptations are based on this guy just wanting to see people run around in speedos. <laughs> well, I mean, I can, you know, I know how I know how fanboys are, and I know how they get when the people start changing things that you know, um, you know, from when they go from the comic book to the movie. But yeah, I, to me, that definitely. There was are a, places. Was an issue yeah, I agree. There are it, places. It kept taking me where, out of the movie. I was like, you're trying yeah, to watch the movie. I was like, what the, what the hell, man? This, the do we have to see that? <laughs> or yeah. we got to the point where me and Dane would giggle. Like you're having a hard time standing the story when you giggle. You're making it sound like 
you know, there are, scene, there are shots where literally the entire frame for like four minutes at a time is just well, focused no, it was, right is on that. They'd be part. having a serious conversation about something. They'd be discussing what they're going to do next or something like that. And he's standing there with a slung <laughs> hanging out, you know. And he just like is picking it up and swinging it around. It's also glowing he's just like, and pulsing. You know, and caressing it <laughs> or something. Pulsing <laughs> it right. bigger nice. and smaller. <laughs> Well, you know, some poor sap's job was just to animate that. Yeah, that was and his that job. That does not escape me. That's the first thing I thought of. Is like this guy got out of college, mm. and his first big job is well, to that, do this animated penis for like and you know, hundred thousand. Good for jobs. him trying really hard to do it. You know, good for him for Man, working se- on it. The sex there was also a sex scene, scene in the movie. You wonder about being taken out of the movie. It's like it's it's going playing that hallelujah song. <laughs> And Night Owl and the whatever Silk Spectre getting it on, and it like goes on forever. And it's so it's like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this a joke? Oh yeah, like just showing you know just boobs and ass and man ass and, and silhouetted in the moonlight. <laughs> Everyone's laughing. <laughs> Whoa! What? Yeah, really ugly man ass too. I mean, because that guy kind of looks Which like guy? the guy who plays yeah. Night Owl <laughs> looks like me. Not, not uh, slightly. I could say yeah. slightly, but I wouldn't say. So he's an incredibly attractive guy, is what you get in. Not they in got, a good way. They got Clooney. They <laughs> play Night Owl. They got Brad Amazing. Pitt. Incredible. Amazing. All right. But you know, other than that, there. The, I, I would say that the scene where Rorschach loses it is actually better in the movie than in the book, because in the book it was even at that time it was written pretty much line. You know, moment for moment, a scene from the Mad Max movie. And that always bothered me about the Watchmen book as well. But but other than that, man, and the guy who plays... Now, let, let's look this up, because Tracy pointed out after the movie that the guy who plays Rorschach looks like the bad kid from the Bad News Bears. <laughs> you know, the tough one who rides the dirt bike. And I think she's right. I don't know. I've, fact, I, we're gonna I have don't to think look. I've ever seen the Bad News Bears. You haven't seen Watchmen either, so we're going to look it up because as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, my God, that has to be true because look at him. He really <laughs> look does at look him. just like While you're looking that up, have you guys seen – this is something that Greg might find interesting. Have you seen that picture that's circulating the on the internet that um, of Reagan when he visited Moscow? What There's a this? controversy. What? There's a picture that was taken by Reagan's official photographer uh-huh. or whatever when he was visiting Moscow of him shaking hands with some tourists. And one of the tourists, they they just found this picture in the archives and looked at it and like, oh, my God, that's that's Putin. And they're thinking that was Putin as a spy for the KGB back in like 1988 or whatever. And it does Maybe look a Putin lot a like a tourist. Him. Could it not be him as a tourist? No. Really? They were actually the photographer guy said that um, at the time he remembered taking the picture and uh, all the tourists there were asking these really pointed questions about like human rights and stuff. And he was he talked to one of the Secret Service guys at the time and he's like, man, these guys, these tourists are asking some crazy questions. And the Secret Service guy just said very straight face like, oh, these are all KGB agents. Like, I mean, it's just common knowledge. <laughs> but um, how awesome would that but be? The, well, of course, it really do. does look like Putin, and I was like, "How how interesting wow. that Putin would that met wild? Reagan as a spy, you know, back twenty years ago." But um, but the Russians claim it's not him. They say that Putin was you know not a spy or whatever, and he he was in another part of the country serving in the military at that time or something. So who knows? But 
there is some controversy, but oh, crap. It's, it's kind of a neat thing to see, I guess, an interesting political moment. The guy, uh, he played Kelly Leak in the Bad News Bears and Breaking oh, Training. You beat me to it. Yeah. It's hard to tell in the picture on IMDb because he's got like all bald headed with a goatee and stuff trying to look cool. But it's obvious in Watchmen. I was actually kind of wondering if he was the, if he wasn't the bully kid in A Christmas Story. Well, now that you got it, Bad News Bears go to Japan. There trying to is. find that. Bad News Bears in Breaking Training. Yeah, he's very well placed in the Bad News Bears franchise. Yeah. So this guy has had a long career. Yeah, this guy made. He's looking like a little bit of a Johnny drama. He was in Doll Man, which you guys probably won't remember, but was an old Full Moon movie with Tim Tim Thomerson in it. I think he was in Prophet of Evil, the Ervil LeBaron story made for TV. He was in Maniac Cop Three. I think we've discovered an actual Johnny drama in all this. Awesome. Well, it's not hard to discover a Johnny drama. I just pick a guy who played some obscure part. <laughs> oh, that's cool. He also voice is Rorschach in a Watchmen video game. So it is him as Rorschach? Yeah. Well, well cool. All right, then. Um, good, good for you. Because he does, I have to say, he does an excellent job in that movie as Rorschach. Rorschach, of, if, if someone wanted to find fault with the movie in, of anything... Uh, Rorschach would not be it. I think he's pretty spot on as far as the way that he's presented in the movie. But that's very cool. I thought I thought it was a good movie. And I, I would definitely... I, I actually think in a weird way it was almost too good an adaptation because it sort of helped point out how Watchmen almost can't be a movie. Well, isn't that what Alan Moore is always saying? Oh yeah, and he's and in this way, but you know, cer- certain other things he's done have worked as movies. I thought v-, v for Vendetta was a good movie, but Watchmen. I always thought you know this would make an awesome movie, and not not that it didn't. I think it did, but at the same time, it sort of confined to that that medium. It, it did lose a lot of the nuances that make the book so interesting and so compelling. It almost takes too much information and hits you all at once without uh, without sufficient pacing. So that if you were a new person, it would be a very cool and interesting movie, but it wouldn't be quite as powerful as the book because you don't have time to acclimate to any of it. You know, these interesting like asides where, you know, it'll sort of go off in, in a vignette of a character, you know, narrating their own little arc that would have represented an issue of the comic and would have made sense within the format of a comic. And it's just an interesting, weird aside to the movie within within that format i'm certainly glad they did it and i thought they did a really good job but at the same time you know i i would hope that and and it kind of has but i i would hope that it the purpose of this movie as of any movie based on a a good book is that you would like it enough to want to read the original source material and I think that's where I disagree with Alan Moore. He's like, he may be absolutely right that these things were not intended for this other medium, but that's what draws people in. You know, Watchmen will not hit the mainstream as a comic. It did hit the mainstream as a movie. And that will hopefully get people. Yeah, and I've I mean, I've, I've actually seen where people are reading yeah, it because I've driven they've by, heard of this by movie. bookstores and seen huge Watchmen posters on the, on the windows. So I'm sure they're selling yeah. some copies. And that would not happen if not for the movie. Right. So take take that as as a good. P- 
people are reading the book because of the movie. Yeah, just like Lord of the but Rings. The I'm sure Lord of the Rings absolutely. picked up a lot of readers after the movies came out, and that's always good. So I would I would say that it's good for that too. And I want since we were talking about some junk exploitation, I would like to bounce that into something a little bit more more <laughs> no, than I like. We gave him no. An I'm not. I'm not going to go into any more of that. You know, <laughs> if anything, Doctor Manhattan. Are you are you, you junked know, out? That may that may have yeah that may have hit it that may have apexed. Mm-hmm. I may not be able to cite a better junk exploitation than that movie. Twenty foot junk like computer a, generated yeah. blue get, blowing atomic <laughs> junk. <laughs> Oh Lord! <laughs> My, I don't know if it's gonna get any. I won't say better, but I won't. I don't know if it's gonna get any more elaborate in a movie than that, than just a swish it. Because you know, in the comic book, the guy just kind of does a little whoop. You know, you can tell he doesn't commit very, you know, to much detail. But in the movie, man, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw veins. I'm I'm totally convinced this director now <laughs> is a little bit of a. <laughs> Man, man, hey. beefcake kind of fella. Could could be, could be. He could be a junk enthusiast. Could be a, a junkie. <laughs> awesome junkie. <laughs> but on the subject of jug exploitation, which we've discussed, which I have no problem yeah, hey, with yeah. at all. Well, in in moderation, I don't mind the ju- the junk exploitation, but don't just you know keep coming at me with it. I'm not ready. All right. Exploitation. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but I've been watching now that I got Netflix streaming into my TV, which is like the best thing ever, unless you want me to leave the couch. <laughs> yeah. I actually have to make myself go do things because it's like, I can't watch TV. There's nothing on. But Netflix, man, I'm just watching horror movies left and right. I've been watching the Masters of Horror series. Yeah, those are pretty good usually. Those are actually pretty good. I hadn't had a chance to see any of them. But I will tell you this, what it, whether they're good or not, and some of them are and some of them aren't, they all have boobage. Oh, really? It is I've like, seen, you want to see a movie? I don't think I've seen a, one that has boobs. I, I, I've watched really? most of the, the first one, a couple ones. Um, I haven't seen them in a while. Which ones have you been watching? I swear, because I started making a note of it. It's like all of them. Like Dario Argento does this one about this disfigured girl called Jennifer. I've got like that on my uh, on my grotesque key. face, but but rock and body. That's oh wow! Maybe I need to watch movie. it. <laughs> Do watch it because it's very yeah. it's it's very yeah, weird and, and interesting and disturbing. It makes you wonder about yourself. <laughs> Say that. I'll leave you with that world. Work it out. But every one that I've watched, good or bad, just about without fail, has had some kind of lady nudity well you know these are the masters of horror they know what they're doing yeah really so like pay attention world this they is what, what it takes people, to be a master of horror they know what people All are looking for PG 13 yeah. movies with kids from tv shows and, i you tell know, you the only reason to watch a movie with a girl from a tv show and it is to see her get hmm. naked because you know you can't on tv I'm, there I, somebody had to say it i tell you who, who's not a master of horror hmm. and i'll go ahead and, and, and speak it i'll speak the name Troma, not a master of horror. I watched, um, I tried watching. Quite, quite clearly not a master of anything. I tried watching Redneck Zombies because how do you mess up a concept like that? That sounds awesome. Man, those guys will shoot with like a home video camera. It, that it stuff looks was. Like like, I swear it was on home video and it looked horrible. <laughs> but most importantly, it wasn't entertaining. And to me, that is a sacrilege to take Redneck Zombies as a concept and not being entertaining with it. 
How? How can you not be entertaining with something like that? Because they they think the concept sells itself, which it does as far as the box cover, but then it doesn't as far as the movie. Yeah, it was just – it's one of those where they were – I guess they're trying to be campy. You can't try to be campy. That's That doesn't work. Well, you can't try to be bad on purpose when you're not capable of being well, good. Yeah. You have to either not be capable of being good and think you're good and be bad, and therefore it's awesome. Or you have to be good and understand the nuances of being bad and like, do something cheesy. But you can't suck and then try to suck on purpose. <laughs> There's no irony to that. Yeah, it was. it's just embarrassing <laughs> for everyone involved. Because that doubles the level of suck. Yeah, that's a double suck. It's suck squared. <laughs> it's <laughs> suck squared. Exponential that's suckage. Suck squared. That's an exponential <laughs> suckage. That's, That's like a black hole of sucking. Repeating. Not even, Every not even sucking can a escape. Joke on the show. I'm just repeating their lines and like, yes, exactly that too. I say the same thing. So we're we gonna talk about uh, cliches tonight. Yes. Do we wanna do that? Yeah, I think still? we got our. Yeah, we. I think we okay. got our. Our, our sci-fi done with. Okay. These are That's the things right. that you can retire from sci-fi. We're gonna be this. We're gonna break ground on this too. So, there's a lot of you know elephants in the room that no one wants to talk about, and that's what this show does. We talk about things that make other people uncomfortable, and not usually they're things that make us uncomfortable, like junk. But yeah, yeah, yeah. like big blue junk. Okay, well, the number one I had on my list was sexy vampires. That is a good one. You mean you mean like in uh in the wonderful movie Twilight, where he's like, say it, mm-hmm. say it. Well, well, yeah, and that's just one of them. I mean, starting with you know Tom Cruise's Lestat and Interview with a Vampire, oh, and all going the Anne Rice vampires. There. There, there are no Anne Rice. Uh, yeah, every yeah. Anne Rice vampire ever created. Yeah. As an offshoot, can we say no gay vampires? Um, Angel, you know, um, Buffy you know, is the biggest offender of all, and I'm a big fan of Buffy. But no, Buffy it, it's not as bad as like, Anne Rice. No, but they're not. Well, but that still, sexy. though, it's, they're just, just they just make you uncomfortable. I mean, this is so cliche; it's almost formed its own genre. I mean, yeah, this, bad vampire. That's you know, sexy vampires killed vampire movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. Vampires like are really scary, good vampire. but they're never any cool vampire movies because they're all trying to be scary. Like people want to be vampires; they're never good monsters because they're always like. You know what nerds are hoping they'll become, or that they'll meet some hot vampire goth chick. But but do you, would would you really want to meet a hot a vampire hot or otherwise? I wouldn't. But well, I would I mean, if they were like the movies, some of the ones in a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movies sell you pretty hard on the hot vampire chick, but then it never ends well. So you gotta you gotta consider. Well, it that. ends well if you she consider living you. forever and being beautiful forever mm-hmm. with the vampires. She doesn't do that though. She just eats you. Well. Can't go to the never beach. does she make you a vampire. She just you can never take her to the beach. <laughs> I don't go to the beach anyway. I mean, look at me. That's a, yeah, that's a good trade-off. Yeah, I, I, I don't do think that. that's going to be a problem much, for me. <laughs> yeah, mm. I'm not much of a day walker as is. Yeah. Suck heads. But anyway, I think it's time. I think it's time to retire because uh, I would like to see some legitimately scary vampires. Yes, man, yeah, I, I agree. Think it's time we got back like to a scary Nosferatu vampires. type of vampire. Absolutely. I think it would be awesome. I'm not entirely sure that's sci-fi, but I do agree. No, I would with anything within the realm of sci-fi, fantasy, horror. Still, you know, it's in the ballpark. I would expand on this to be something you do see way more often, and it's an it's an offshoot of the same problem. I would say no more the nympho bad guy in sci-fi. 
I mean, the, the list goes on and on. What is There's the bunch, nympho they had bad one. Guy? I mean, just a. It's where you have a foil in a sci-fi show who is a sort of villain, but is inexplicably hot for the nerdy, gooby, egg-headed character, and this it drags down the whole show. Stargate, Stargate had one. Uh, Angel's done it too. Batman's classic. Catwoman. I mean, that's what Catwoman's all about. Yeah, but Batman's not a goober character. I could see why a chick could get into him. No, but I'm just saying the fantasy of that, that's what ruins Batman a little bit because you can see that the fanboy fantasy starts to take over. You know, Batman's cool and solemn, and then sooner or later there's, you know, yeah, but what if there was like a girl that dressed in like a skin tight cat suit and then she was hot for him, stuff like that. We took a cool <laughs> Grim Avenger kind of character, and you ruined it. Well, I'm going to allow <laughs> Catwoman. Rogers I'm not had a, that, I'm not. and Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, they both had the same, basically the same character. Well, that's true. The hot princess uh, who's who's hot for Flash. I don't know. I enjoyed, it in, I enjoyed it in the Buck Rogers TV Everyone series. Everyone enjoys so. it. That's why it drags the story down, because it's too easy to fall prey to it. You know, of course, who doesn't? Who well, doesn't let me, wish that would happen? Let me just say this about the cliches that we're talking about. Most of the instances of the stuff we love. We've just seen too many, too much of it. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, it doesn't I mean the concept's bad. Of all just of these. it's become right. concept, It's become cliche. Yeah, it's become I just want to say cliche. that for the people listening is that we're not dogging this stuff. We, I mean, we in, we enjoy it, but but we've just seen a lot of it. That's where cliches come from. The classics yeah. that have just been abused. You know, these are sort of, you know, abstract. Even Firefly had a nympho bad guy character who was like, you know, stealing from him, getting naked. And she was a super hot redhead, <laughs> like crazy hot. Like, yeah. How do, how do you really feel, <laughs> Sean? She was like the exception that proved the rule. It was like, you know, that that, that character was so hot. You're like, see, you can't do this. You're, you're taking away from it. Just, you know, maybe it's like a subliminal thing. A it's like you, you really shouldn't trust pretty girls. That's what the nerds seem to be telling us. Well, and and there's not, and that's there's some truth to that, but that's not what what always happens in these shows is the pretty girls end up getting tamed and they become good guys. the The fantasy element is that if you stick with it, you can turn these super hot, you know. Well, that's probably beasts. what would happen. Probably what would happen to Saffron, you know, that character from Firefly. I Had know she, she only appeared twice, and she was already headed in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And Supernatural had a character like that who was like a Catwoman type thief or whatever, who was stealing from him and trying to kill him. And she ended up getting killed. And it was like, we'll, we'll mention Supernatural a little bit on this list because they're actually really clever about taking conventions and, and, and sort of exploiting them. And that was one, they had one, you're like, oh God, here we go. And then she ended up, you know, getting damned to hell. So <laughs> that didn't play out that way. Yeah. All right, can we move on to the next one now? Uh, yeah, do you have another one? Yep, well, I have several. Uh, my second one is, are boy wonders, like sidekicks. Uh, there's no, well, maybe, but but usually I'm thinking of no, examples thinking of like, like sci-fi kid, like, super genius kids, right? Like, like the Star Wesley Trek Crushers the, like, and, oh, and those types of people. <laughs> yeah, and they had a West, they had a Wesley Crusher character in the Sequest too. Yeah, that there, but but also you know, like you he would know, let a kid fly a people spaceship. People like Peter Parker and some of those <laughs> other types as well. You know, they're just you know super boy geniuses. Uh, to, to me, are that's the other fanboy element where, you know, they're appealing to kids and kids like if you watch a lot of bad sci-fi movies where kids are characters like prominent for no reason, 
it's because they're appealing to a kid audience, and that's you know they kids want to see that sort of thing. Well, sure, and it's it's kind of a fantasy at that point. I, it's like, oh, you know, if I was, I don't know if I agree with that. To, I did as ship. a kid. I always found those to be the most annoying characters by far. No, I agree with so you. So I don't think but, they may be well, trying to appeal to kids, thinking. but I don't think they're that's successful. I don't think that that works. I guess is what I, I think they are at times, and they aren't at times. I think Wesley Crusher probably did all Whoa. right. Are you I kidding think me? People, I think. Well, no, he's no. got a big fan base. People love him. Really? That is oh true. God, he's he's no. got a, like a real big web page. Apparently, a lot of he's got a little cult well, following, like, but but it's not among guys. I like Will Wheaton. <laughs> Nothing against Will Wheaton. I think he's a good guy. Even he got tired of his character. But Wesley Crusher was a drain on the entire Star Trek mythos. Totally. (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine anyone thinking otherwise. It was horrible. It was enough as, I mean, I was a casual fan, but it was enough to make me not want to see it. As I rewatched those shows, I mean, when I was was younger, I I was okay with him. But as I rewatched those shows, I find him particularly annoying because because I get to thinking about like like, Jar Jar of that show. Wesley's in it. You can't even watch it. Well, I, I get to thinking. I get to thinking in realistic terms. It's like you know, how many officers on that ship has gone through the academy and spent their lives to get to this point, and they just let this kid fly yeah, I mean, the ship? Really, really? It's like a part of the bridge crew. Yeah, and they're trusting I mean, him, even though his voice is cracking and stuff. All right. It it actually could go to this. That same thing applies to not just the goody two shoe kids, but also like the young John Connor in Terminator Two, who can like hack any computer and stuff. But he, but he's yeah. tough. But he's also yeah. every bit as irritating. There, there are no young boy wonder characters that I've seen that aren't irritating. That's so true. that's the real that's problem. A good call. That's another good one. That's another good one. All right, that you brought up just then. Well, let's move on to another one then. Let's see what I got. Uh, I'm going to skip down a bit because I don't want to hang out in Star Trek land too much. But my I will tell you this though: before you say <laughs> more. When I when I wrote my list, I've noted the shows that this has happened in, and every mm-hmm. single one of these is done by Star Trek. <laughs> Usually, more than one incarnation of Star Trek. Well, I mean, probably the because trailblazer of all the classic sci-fi concepts. Well, you know, honestly, they've been around so yeah, long. Yeah, and they've, they've had everything. so many series. So it's hard, and they were trail this, trail breakers, so to speak. It's the right. Simpsons of sci-fi. Star Trek is. It's always Star Trek. Didn't it? Well, I mean, I guess Star Trek, you know, just like, you know, just like a political party, Star Trek, Trek people are the base and then it moves out from there, I guess. Yeah. And, and so, True. you know, all these little things are, uh, you know, have been done by Star Trek because they, you know, they've been around so long and they had to keep coming up with different stories. And yeah, as I was writing these cliches, I kept thinking, man, can I think of something that doesn't really have much to do with Star Trek? Where's one that Star Trek didn't do? Well, I got one that, that they didn't do. Well, actually, they did right. do, but they didn't do it first. And that is Space Marines. Yeah. That's true. Aliens yeah. broke out the Space Marines. Yeah. And that now, is another good point, because because of Aliens, everybody... Same outfit. Yeah. Always See, the same Stargate kids uniform. now. Yep. Even in Starship Troopers, their little armor and stuff, they look just like the Colonial Just like Marines in uh, Halo. I mean, they are completely right. Yeah, the Halo Marines. Marines. The, the Halo soldiers are, are Colonial Marine ripoffs, hundred percent. I think that's intentional. I don't and, think uh, that's like a. I think that's a tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. intentional thing. But oh, I'm sure it is. I, I'm sure they're paying, you know, kind of paying homage to it. And like, and like I said, these things don't bother me necessarily. Yeah. I'm just saying that that they happen a lot. Time and, to let uh, it go, though. It is true. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, because it it does seem like 
you know, I mean, there's been all kinds of instances of, of space Marines, space soldiers of some sort, you know, Ooh, aliens above doom. and beyond show. Yeah. That one. I mean, you know, all those types of instances and, they, and to, to varying effects of success, but if there was something else that could be done, I mean, it, it would be great. Because <laughs> let's say the successes are far outnumbered by the failures. I want to add something oh, yeah. to that one. Um, because it, it relates to aliens to me. I have I have an on that it, it's not that common, I guess. But I don't like anachronisms that are needless. Like in Aliens, for example, one of my favorite anachronisms in a movie. The they take all their guns away because, like, well, you can't shoot, you know, bullets in here. There's a nuclear chamber and blah blah blah. So he he pulls his shotgun out and it's like, I keep this for close encounters or whatever. It's like that right, that would right. totally be because this is like 500 years in the future or something that'd be like us pulling out a flintlock musket or something i keep this for close <laughs> encounters i mean that bothers me like in a movie with that high budget they couldn't come with well, see, now they I could at get, least I make could a really future looking shotgun you. you know and just keep the concept and make it recognizable make it look futuristic or something there are some exceptions to this though that i think work out like i was just watching resident evil 3 and at some point they're getting whammied as they do constantly throughout the movie by a bunch of zombies and Ali Larder pulls out like, like a Winchester rifle and start shooting them. And that actually was kind of cool. Yeah, but that's different. I actually really like how they do it in Firefly. Cause I think that's probably yeah. how it would be. As it's like, you, know, you got, you got these weapons that are, that are, you know, just advanced versions of, of the weapons that we have now, but, but they do have like the real, glitzy ones like lasers and stuff like that but they're really expensive mm. I, I i think that is probably the way weaponry will will eventually no, evolve. I, I, I like the concept in firefly that the universe has sort of fallen on into like a wild west scenario where you know everyone can't afford a laser gun so but it's still pretty easy to come up with cheap firearms i do like this idea that even the spaceships are sort of mechanical I just still don't believe that that antique guns will be cheap, though. You know what I mean? Like an antique gun now costs more than a new gun. Like if you wanted to buy a Civil War era gun, it would cost a lot more than just buying a modern gun. Yeah, but But I I do think they take that little guns from the era. They're using guns of a similar kind of technology because that technology will always be cheap to fabricate. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. He actually pulls out like a 12 gauge shotgun that would be like 300 years old (laughs) at that point. That's ridiculous. Like I keep this for. Or that I guess just that shotguns have been perfected at right at at current times. They're so perfect that they don't evolve for the next 400 years. I don't really have a problem with that because I I personally think that we'll have slug throwing type. Yeah, and what I'm saying is the guns they use in aliens are slug throwing guns. They're projectile. That doesn't bother me. It bothers me just that they didn't even make an effort to make the shotgun look futuristic at all, like a future shotgun. It's it's like obviously a shotgun from a prop department or whatever, whereas the other mm-hmm. guns are all super cool looking pulse rifle kind of things. I love the smart guns or the smart machine guns. Or the little robot those, guys. I mean, essentially. Well, I mean, because I've been around television production technology a long time, I, I recognize what that is. It's a machine gun. On a steady cam. Oh yeah, now. totally. You know, <laughs> they're pretty, but they're yeah, pretty neat. This is so awesome. I know, well, they look so cool to yeah, swinging really it around. You know? But it is a good idea. Yeah. Like that, that would make sense to do that. 
Yeah, it doesn't look it doesn't look like a needless thing just to look cool. It looks functional, which is the the essence of what you should do in a prop if you want to make some futuristic thing. Make it look functional. Make it look like it'd work in the real world. But go ahead. Okay. Space Marines. Uh, and I guess well, and I guess while we're talking about this, I should since since we are talking about how much of a cliche machine Star Trek is, I should talk about when they did the Space Marine. Stuff. When did they do Marines in, Actually, in they were, Star Trek? Well, uh, okay, when Enterprise uh, to, sort of did. Yeah, Enterprise did it in their third season when they were going to fight the Zindi, which they is had a really ridiculous looking camo too. They had horrible outfits. Yeah, yeah, and, and there was also an episode of Voyager where um, oh, no. uh, Janeway goes Sigourney Weaver. There's a like everybody oh, on no. the ship has been in, incapacitated, and she's the only one left. Of and, course, and they, I mean, they do it. They do <laughs> it shot take for her shot. Shirt off. Yeah, she she, take, take her she takes her shirt off and really? she like pulls on a bandolier oh, how embarrassing. grenades no. and she's got the phaser rifle and all yeah, that and she's like she's doing all. the total Sigourney Weaver thing all through the that's ship that's embarrassing you know yeah, yeah. I, I mean all for a diehard scenario do it but she doesn't have to well you don't have to off. look like look I mean, the part well I mean you know uh, you know, she's not a bad looking lady but, I, but no, it's but obvious she has that, a certain yeah. amount of dignity to her though she yeah. has to maintain decorum stop crying in every episode they used to do that every now and then with picard too like every now and then you got to see him take the shirt off and show the muscles and say you know i can i can kick butt too like sure sure dude yeah he got to a point where like he was starting to feel bad that people thought that Riker was the hero guy so then he started taking the shirt off all the time and then Riker got fat it's like the whole thing got turned yeah then Riker became absolutely useless Like, well, what do you do, Riker? I know, because Riker, like, I was supposed to be the swashbuckling character, and he's like, he was supposed to be the stodgy old bald guy. He's supposed guy. to be like the, you know, and the wise, the wise John man. John in every situation, yeah, and I can't even take my shirt off because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I have to wear a t-shirt to the beach. Oh, well. Making fun of Jonathan Frakes is not nice. He's a very, he turned into a very good director, actually. Okay, I'm going to make you mad with this one. Go ahead. I'm ready. I got my dukes up. Zombies. Tired of zombies? Zombies. Zombies. Zombies you know, are a cliche. They are the cliche of cliches. I still <laughs> like zombie movies, but I would say that the statistics support you on this because <laughs> there are way more horrible zombie movies than there are good ones. Uh, I, I, I agree. enjoy zombies a whole lot, but you know the good zombie story is sort of the exception rather than I kind of like that they've they've really been branching out with zombies lately, though. Have you noticed? Like they're they're innovating, so I find that I'm not sure that's always a good no, thing, though. Like Romero was trying to innovate with Land of the Dead, and that movie was dumb. But to me, the fact that they're innovating proves that they've done the the concept so much that they have to modify it to make it, you yeah, know, continue to make it enjoyable. That. What I think they need in movies is a good zombie franchise. That's what's hurting. Or I really do believe that we need. A zombie TV yeah. show, because in reading an ongoing zombie comic and the, the Walking Dead is like it really illustrates to me how interesting zombies become over a long period of time to see how people respond to the end of the world as an ongoing concept. And zombie movies touch on that, but you never get to see the long term effects. You know, the, the Romero movies are the closest thing, and they started, I think, just losing their way. Well, you get a little bit and stuff like think, 28 weeks later and stuff like that. You kind of see 
a world after zombies. Yeah. And I think that's kind of neat. That's still not a hundred percent zombie. Yeah, that's true. But that's that's one of the variations of zombie. And that's sort of since they're I making they're another one. That's boat. sort of a franchise. The Resident Evil movies were sort of a franchise. Years later. Yeah, but they they, they make franchises and. This is horror has this problem more than any other genre. A successful franchise is where every every successive chapter is a reinvention. <laughs> like there's not really an ongoing story. Every time you get a new sequel, someone's like, "This is what we're going to do with it this time." So it's difficult to to say there's an ongoing story because there almost never is any kind of long term thought out plot line. And Resident Evil is a perfect example of that. I mean, all of those movies are completely different. They just keep getting weirder. Yeah. The third one's a lot more fun to watch than the second one, that's for sure. But but you still don't get the sense that they're... And it certainly doesn't feel like a zombie movie at all. Like It's just weird action. It's mad yeah, mad. I'm going to tell you something else that that movie does. It's another um, cliche to me. I believe it does it. Maybe I just remember it this way. But it's the techno music fight scene. Well, you, you know, mm, that's a good you know, one. we're about to fight because all of a sudden, bam, 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 and then, uh, and then, I don't know that that Kung one does fighting it, but breaks I do out the second get the one slow motion that. shot of them swinging around and you know shooting one person, then swinging the gun around and hitting someone else with it, and just huh. ridiculous. House of the Dead does that a lot. Oh, oh of course, and Blade, Blade, terrible. Lord Blade, Blade is like oh, the king of oh, the God. techno fight scenes where they just intentionally they play on it now. It's like. But it, it takes either that or the Matrix. The Matrix are have a lot. Yeah, of stuff the too. Matrix yeah. isn't as bad as Blade is, of course. But yeah, well, but it takes all the drama out of the fight because well, you're like, oh, here we go. Bad. It's like an elaborate music video now. Here, here's the dance scene. It could be argued <laughs> that Star Trek was one of the first to do that too. They had techno fight scenes. Techno fight scenes. Well, not techno fight scenes, but they did have like the music, you know, the dramatic music during the fight scene. Oh, well, yeah. We'll run that music. But yeah. <laughs> that's different. Like, everybody has dramatic fight music. I just don't like it but because the, the problem with the techno isn't just <laughs> that it's techno. Mortal Kombat really yes, made that. Yes, that's true. That that was one that's of the very... What, that's what really brought that into One of the worst, the world. The worst uh, incarnations of that. What, what makes this stuff uh, irritating to me isn't that it's techno in and of itself, even though I do find that irritating. But it's... When it's the way they do it, it's like almost like the whole movie just takes a break. Like, okay, we're talking all of a sudden, take a pause, kick in the music, we're fighting. Okay, music's over, back to the movie. Well, you said it. It's a dance scene. It really is. A choreographed dance number. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> feel seamless at all. It it feels like it's a different a different reality than the rest of the movie. <clears throat> and it and it always does the stuff that you don't want to see, like where the bad guys just get in a big circle and attack one at a time. I mean, stuff that would never happen in the real world. Like we all have guns, but we're going to put them down and use our our swords instead. And stand and stand in line yeah. to fight you. <laughs> it's all really right, Sean, to bug I, me how vampires know kung fu. Is that necessary? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why Blade do, carries all kinds of weapons, guns, fight? but he he karate fights with the vampires. And why would Dracula, who comes back, you know, after centuries of being buried in a vault or something, why would he know Kung Fu? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would he have to? It seems a little anticlimactic. It's like, wait a second. Like, karate is still, like, your biggest defense mechanism. <laughs> you can't just, like, pull my head off? I mean, you're, yeah, you're like an, <laughs> still, a, an still, immortal monster. 
Poor Dracula. Not poor poor Dracula's name's been drugged to the mud for years. Martial arts is very dignified, and there's a lot of cool stuff to it, but traditionally, karate is learned by people who can't fight. Because they want an edge in a fight. Like a big, like strong, naturally athletic person doesn't have to learn karate. You can already if be you're an karate. immortal monster who can't even be hurt, why do you need to learn karate? Yeah, you learn karate like you're just, you're just a big attention whore. Like, why don't you take it all? Drama That's like queen. when the Highlanders guys start doing kung fu and stuff. You're like, oh, come on. Come on. You know, you why grew up you in Scotland karate? where you were swinging swords. Where did you pick up kung fu? Why? This you... this reminds me of something that happened this weekend. I, I went to um, uh, a birthday I have party. To hear this? <laughs> How could this possibly remind you of a real life situation? <laughs> well, because uh, okay, I went to uh, a, to a birthday party for a five year old kid. Is a friend of my wife's, you know, and their right. kid, and uh, they had it at, at the karate studio that he goes to, and um, they had the sensei Dojo. out there. What's that? Dojo. Dojo. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, I know. I, I I told I told Angela. It's like, yeah. Can I walk in here and go? Fear does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> strike first, strike hard. Come on. <laughs> but I didn't do that. So, well, you uh, missed your anyway, chance, man. Um, you know, it was like this group of five year old kids, and and you know, the, the they were doing you know just playing stuff like that. But the but the sensei guy uh, had them do this game. Where they had to crawl on their hands and knees with a with a noodle, one of those little noodles like you take like kids take at the swimming pool. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> a little styrofoam thing, and um, and they had to like hit the other person with it. And if they hit the other person, hit some other kid with it, they had to go out of the room, had to go out of the circle, and do five jumping jacks and come back in. Okay. Okay. This doesn't sound like a very fun game. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it kind of was. I mean, because the kids weren't the kids weren't banging the rules; they were just going around slapping each other with the noodle, right? But the sensei guy he got really into it. He was playing with the kids too, and he finally got up on his knees and was like, "Dumb noodle, dumb!" You know, the five year old kids doing what now? What do you think? He was like, he was swinging this noodle like over his head and stuff. He's getting all samurai with it. Was he just you know, like kind of like messing that. with him, or was he seriously? turning into some kind of weirdo well well that's what that's what was funny about it because i was starting to get to the point where i was like you know i was saying to my wife you know maybe we ought to go get him <laughs> because he's getting kind of he's getting <laughs> he's, beating up yeah. all these he's, he's going into berserker rage or something it was it was that's yeah awesome. it, it was it was weird he just picks the kid up and bites <laughs> yeah. just does that little back-breaking move Ooh. that you do where you pick them up and break their back you know on every your <laughs> knee or whatever well well, I mean, yeah. I, was afraid, I was afraid some kid was going to come up behind him and, like, you know, hit him with a noodle and then the guy would kick him in the throat or he's something. Gonna, like he's going to do that thing, which also you should retire from sci-fi, where they just kind of grab their head and spin it. and then that it instantly breaks their neck. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> Lord, that can't be real. That can't happen. That said, I did get to see him cut a cake with a samurai sword. That was pretty cool. Cut a cake. Just jump! Man, now that I will do at my next party. Because that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I do, I do think that you're totally right about that ne- next next stabbing thing, though. I did that didn't occur to me, but that is a that is a, a wonderful convention that needs to go. I mean, because do you see that? Yeah, all it's, the time. It's in everything. It is an. I can't think of a sci-fi actiony kind of thing. Action movies do it just as bad, especially kung fu kind of things where let's they go. just grab the head, and <laughs> and just instant like, kill. Lord. 
<laughs> I hope well, that's not I guess true. they do that to I make the guy look happen. so badass that I mean that he can do it just that quick. You know, snap. And but even it. in normal, it's gotten to the point where even regular people in movies can do it. Like it's not even like a guy who's like a karate master. It's just like some dude. <laughs> I some mean, guy. That's why I like like Die Hard. It's always like down and dirty when he has to fight people. It's always like falling downstairs with them in his yeah. Hole. I mean, that's <laughs> like, more realistic, right? Like, just everybody's covered in blood. He's like <laughs> hitting, He's got you in a chokehold. He's punching you in the ear, going die, die, die. And die. you know. The nastiest like, neck snap I think awesome. I ever that's saw was Hunt for Red great. October. Do you remember that one? In a Hunt, Hunt for Red October where uh, Sean Connery where snaps that guy's... No, yeah, he kills Curry. the political officer. Who's the guy? Not Who? Sam Neill. No, I he doesn't kill... I don't know the actor. No, uh, he's... Uh, yeah, that actor's been in some other things. It wasn't Sam Neill. Sam Neill gets killed by somebody else later. But uh, Yeah, that's true. Sam Neill's one of the like, good guys of the movie. I know, but but like he like grabs him by the head and like slams him onto the table, and you can tell he has to kind of work. To yeah, snap. see that's like, realistic. A couple of. I'm gonna tell uh, you another thing. Then that same that same vein, it's the one punch knockout, which you see constantly, where they just go, pow, and the guy's out. That is not realistic. I mean, it takes a trained and that's boxer another thing. to knock someone out with one punch. I mean, unless you just have a lucky shot. And that's shot. another thing they do all the time. Like They, they do, do it, it on heroes. Like, oh, like you're being people on heroes that are just normal people just go, well, I'll take care of this. And they come up and knock them out cold. Like, really? I mean, I've watched enough of the Ultimate Fighting. I, I haven't been watching it at all lately, but I used to be a big fan of Ultimate Fighting. And when people get knocked out on that, it's real. It's very real. But they wake up after like 10, 15 seconds. It's not like when you get knocked out, you're out for like 20 minutes at all. Yeah, you don't just I mean, go that would to be, sleep. If you did that, that would be an ambulance situation. You'd have like you'd yeah. have brain damage if someone knocked you out and you were out for hours. <laughs> In real life, when you pop them, they just kind of black out. They hit the ground and then they kind of get up and they're confused. And it's not like they're out. So that's another convention. It's got to go because, man. They used to do that in Buffy so often that they would mention it themselves. How often Giles would get knocked out? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, and that was the same thing. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna totally have brain damage. Because I mean. <laughs> like, it's like all the time he was getting hit on the head. Like you can't just do that. That reminds me. That actually reminds me of something that happened to me when I was a kid. <laughs> It's sad how these are all reminding you of real life things. Well, you know, like when you're a kid. And you watch all these shows, you know, and you don't know how to fight. Nobody's ever bothered to teach you at this point. If you get in a fight, you might use TV types of things in a fight. I suppose. Did you snap someone's neck? No, I snapped somebody's (laughs) neck, but I tried the one knockout punch, the one punch knockout. And it didn't work. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that is. And I, then he can he man, can then, then he this. continued to give me a four punch knockout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, then, and no, what happens is the multiple punch. Nobody gets knocked out. <laughs> Just keep, Just keep punching until we both that, pass that out from exhaustion. To me as a kid, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to wear this ring, like it was like a silver ring that was like the Indian chieftain's head or whatever. Oh my lord, you were nerd. And I, well, I was like five. <laughs> I know, but come on. Like, I'm seriously was like five years old alert. in this story. Do you have a dragon claw holding a crystal necklace? And we bought it in like the Rocky Mountains. I liked rings when I was a kid. But part of the reason I liked it was I literally thought that wearing a ring, you could just flatten somebody. Like that some, it was like wearing, like it was like having brass knuckles, just having a ring. And I remember one time I 
like started this fight with this kid who is like twice my size, like this way older kid. And I remember punching him. And all I remember in my vantage point as a kid is seeing that ring fly off my finger. <laughs> like just, just boom. And I just remember seeing that ring fly through the air like, like nothing happened at all. Thanks a lot, ring. And then the next thing I know, I just got flattened. The next thing I remember, I was sitting at home explaining why I got punched in the eye. There's so many fight, man. This is like a whole different episode of like mm. bad fight uh, cliches. Bad action moment cliches. We lost. Well, I mean, just like all that stuff, you know, where Times you I got beat up. We're where you go and the big guy comes up and even like Indy does this and stuff and you punch the guy and normally that just knocks him clean out. But that guy just looks at you goes, ah, like it's nothing. <laughs> and that's when you know you're in trouble. That's a he cliche. does a great little wobble in that movie, though, where the big guy punches him and he actually like wobbles on his heels and falls down. Which is yeah. probably pretty close to what would happen. If yeah, you're, try, well, you're trying to stay conscious, movie. but you can't. <laughs> you just fall over. <laughs> Indiana Jones is an awesome action hero. He doesn't do any of that badass stuff. He's constantly getting beat up. Like he's such a great action hero for that. In the first, well, let's say the first movie, maybe the first. Yeah, movie. first uh, two, maybe yeah. First two. All right, Shondi, I have a few others, but uh, they're not that great. I have a list of, of several. I will mention mm. one that we we teased before, and but it's King Arthur. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, unless, as we mentioned before, we do an all robot space opera of King Arthur. I would accept that. Or if they made a movie out of Camelot 3000, the old comic, which I thought was awesome, which was the same thing where it was King Arthur like returns in like the future. Well, <laughs> it's just fun. I mean, has it, I guess it's the only, has it ever been done right? Excalibur did it. Right. I guess, but I guess that was probably as close to being done right. I'm also talking about just weird sci-fi shows where they run into King Arthur or Excalibur or some nonsense. Like Tech War did that. Babylon Five did it. I think Stargate definitely did it, where they met Merlin, found Excalibur, and all kinds of just. Oh my god! Oh god, that sounds yeah. terrible. Holy Christ! Stop the press is awful. Beowulf <laughs> is getting that way too, a little bit. At least mm. Beowulf is just to have bad adaptations. Although it did have a really bad sci-fi adaptation with Christopher Lambert. Future. I'm gonna go and ahead a lot and of horrible gonna... techno music there. I will throw two things in with this. First of all, Christopher Lambert. He's become a cliche that we just <laughs> need to get rid of. Cliche, the ultimate sci-fi cliche. Yeah, that's a good no one. That, that's like a big Lambert stamp of badness when you see his name's like, bad. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it because Highlander was great. And everyone loves it. But come on. Come on. <laughs> but you've been riding that wave for 20 years. I mean, he's playing Raiden, for God's sake. Whose idea? Okay, but anyway, enough of that. I don't want to be negative on, on, on Chris. But um, also, <laughs> although I will have to say one year I was at Dragon Con and, and he was supposed to be signing autographs and then he bailed on the whole crowd to catch a plane early. So, mm, not cool. That was probably the people planning the event and not him. But still, don't start the session if you can't sign. 1,500 like Highlander fans left in the wings. That's that's a weird riot. <laughs> All wearing happen. swords. Yeah, exactly. Just 15, yeah, 1,500 nerds carrying swords. Socially awkward guys wearing swords who, who have a tendency to think that cutting heads off will get you laid. Already might think they're immortal. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, well, I just saw the other night I watched that 
13th warrior for the first time because and i remember I you saying it i thought it was interesting i thought it was interesting really interesting cool. at first but it's not good i it thought it was good. out it starts off very strong i thought it was cool by god and i really don't like how it's it's a half-hearted ripoff of beowulf because they're acting like you know they act like it's some kind of homage but they're not close enough for it to be an adaptation so they're basically just stealing the story well i guess what they're saying is that that guy writes it and it becomes yeah except the beowulf legend was not written by an arabian no but i'm I'm thinking that maybe the the guy who wrote the beowulf legend had heard it from you know told bastardized from this other version i don't i thought that was an interesting concept i liked how it didn't have the supernatural element that beowulf has well, yeah, but then it just becomes weird. But There's anyway, I, I thought it was it, interesting. But I thought that it, it ended badly. I had, I I'd always it heard it was horrible, and I, did, I didn't think it was. So anyway, go ahead. Well, I will, I'll say this. I have done a second look on that movie, because I saw it in the theater, and I thought, that oh, wasn't good. And I was telling a friend of mine about it, and he's like, well, actually, that does sound good. I was like, well, hell, let's watch it. Maybe I'm wrong. And we watched it, and I wasn't wrong. And one thing they do in it that is neat, though, is that it actually goes against another cliche, a sci-fi cliche, is that they um they they explain how he knows their language instead of yeah, him but just that speaking also it. Is a sci-fi cl- cliche because that thing where I learned your language by listening. This is actually something I think Lynn and I talked about one time. It's like this is actually not intellectually possible to learn the grammar of another person's language perfectly just by listening. Not perfectly, but people do. enough that suddenly he's fluent in speaking. Now, well, that's, I mean, I think that's you can pick it up well enough to speak it, but not write it I, necessarily. I'll give you this as a convention. John McKiernan as a director, the person who directed that movie, doesn't really like or doesn't seem to like subtitles in movies. He does a lot. Several of his movies have cool conventions of sort of segueing out of having subtitles by establishing that they're speaking a different language and then sort of moving into English, which they do in Hunt for Red October. Yeah, which I thought, or and they did it really Hard, well in this one. I thought they, it was subtly done. They all speak done. German in Die Hard, but there's no <clears throat> subtitles in Die Hard at all. They always establish by context what's being said, so it's not necessary to subtitle even when they're speaking another language. I and thought they did awesome. that really well when he was, they showed the scenes in this one where he's listening to them talk Yeah, and then they begin sprinkling words english words in there just every fourth word stuff i thought that was neat because he he, he does that cool in the hunt for october too where uh the political officers reading uh um, and they sort of and they they introduce where he actually says a phrase in english and then from then on they're speaking english but it's actually right right and it's kind of clever it's just enough to let you know they're not speaking english but we're not going to make you read subtitles for the whole movie either yeah, because I, I, I really respect Russians. that because that's a total thing that should go on our list is that uh, no matter what planet you're on, no matter what reality you're in, everyone speaks English magically. Actually, mm. that is a really that's not on my list, but that is a really good one because that makes me crazy. I'll even accept a weird, ambiguous technology that translates for you. Like the last Starfighter, they just clipped something to his lapel, and suddenly he could speak and understand everything. Yeah, well, that's you know, that's fine, believable fine. in a future you, world. You broached I mean, the subject. It's, that's it's fine. believable enough to where you can accept it and move on. And yeah. Deep Space Nine actually said at one point that they all had like 
like universal translator implants, and that's why they could all speak. And you that, know, and, you know and I'll buy that. Talk. I guess fine. Just yeah, just get it out there. Say something. But you know, where you're Star going, Trek, you they, go back in time they, to ancient Egypt or something, and you just talk to those people who are there. It's like that doesn't make a lot of sense. They say in Star Trek that the the communicators they wear on their badges are have universal translators in them. Yeah, I mean, I understand for the purposes of telling a story, you don't want every episode to get bogged down by language issues, but don't just pretend everyone speaks English. Have something to go on. But that's a good one. What other cliches you got? Here's a good one that I just thought of, I think, yesterday. You know, I was going to say Atlantis, but that should go without saying because that's dumb and it's been done a lot. But one I was just thinking of, Stories where a character is kidnapped and then made to fight in some kind of gladiator pit. <laughs> Happens <laughs> to me all happen? the time. Yeah. I that can't even tell you how often I go I've on had this problem. Every time I go on vacation, I end up having to fight in some kind of death pit. That's why you just, you, you, <laughs> there's certain places in thrills. Europe you just don't go because you know you're going to end up in either a, a hostile situation or a gladiator death pit. What bothers me is, I know this has happened a ton of times, but I could only think of two shows specifically that I know. Star Trek. Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) But I know there was an episode of Angel where they did it to him also. But I know there's more shows than this. I mean, this this happens all the time. I loved in um, Cable Guy. When, when they're in the yeah, and they and, play the Star Trek fight music, and they there reenact, too. they will kill us both, Jim. <laughs> Goodbye, Jim, <laughs> and just all that stuff. I mean, that's a great. That's like, not even the Star Trek moment. episode that I'm talking about, though. There is an episode where they actually make them fight in a gladiator pit. <laughs> it's just such an awesome idea. Oh I mean, yeah, that's the, the so game fun. masters of Tristrillion, yeah, really. right? Quatlu is on the newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun so. thing, I guess. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah. all of these are fun. I get why you want to do these, but it's just happening too much. They did it Doesn't in the um, Star Wars Marvel comics. I remember they had a, a part where Han gets caught up in this like this this space station that's like a big gambling Las Vegas kind of thing, and somehow he gets captured and he has to fight in gladiator pits. Doesn't yeah? Flash Gordon has to fight in the gladiators. Well, I'm so sure Buck Rogers cool. found himself in the gladiator pit at some time or another. Yeah, the I mean, being forced to fight is one thing, but there's several shows and, and movies where they actually are having to fight as gladiator slaves. Actually, in, in Star Trek, yeah, they got thrown into a gladiator pit a couple of times. There was a, a one where they go to like this modern day Rome, and they have yeah. to fight on TV in the gladiator pit. Yeah, actually, there's another episode where they they. People have telekinesis and they make them fight each other yeah. telekinetically. That's a whole different man. They, they did it like five times in the original mm-hmm. show. <laughs> and you know, it's only a, every other week. I do have Part a specific... of that same cliche is that, that whenever they do get in there, they, they expect them just to go out in the first round, but they turn out to be the toughest guy and they lead a revolt or some nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always goes Spartacus or something yeah. where, you know, they lead the other like gladiators in, a, in some kind of rebellion. <laughs> um, I do have a, a Star Trek specific cliche that I probably could bring up. It's not really sp- Star Trek specific, specific, but it comes from Star Trek, and that's um, uh, Khan or Darth Vader lookalikes. 
Yeah. How, uh, what Darth Vader lookalikes have there been? I, there I there hasn't been any in a long time. I Lately, mean, the, that, after Star Wars yeah. first came out, every bad guy looked like Darth Vader. Yeah, for so a while he there, has but... sort of lost some. But Star Trek nerds like are always trying to capture the wrath of Khan. I'm, well, exactly. It's like the writers of Star Trek have have are just desperate to come up with that new Khan. There's you know, a lot guy. of uh, a lot of aesthetic cliches, like like the Fu Manchu kind of thing that that you always see in bad guys. The Ming the Merciless kind of look that's very yeah. common because that's just that's just bad guy fashion right there. That's just I how they that's just how they dress. Are sort of that that's sort of the thing. I didn't know Terry Hatcher was in Star Trek: The Next Generation. I watched some episode of Next Generation where <laughs> Billy Campbell from from the forty four hundred. The outrageous moves on Terry Hatcher. That episode's called the outrageous O'Connor. I know it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the first time I ever saw Billy Kent right before he became the Rocketeer. <laughs> oh man, what were we saying? Oh, we were, well, we were talking about Khan lookalikes. I mean, it's like every every new Wasn't movie. There, there was an actual a decent episode, an arc of Enterprise that had like some of those Khan. Yeah, they, they explained guys. the evolution of the genetically engineered Khan character. That one actually didn't bother me because Khan, it, it, it actually belonged to them in their continuity. Yeah. And let they, me also say, in, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so they tied it in with with data as well. It turns out that like, uh, uh, oh yeah, the like guy who built guy. data is the grandson of the guy who was the spearhead behind the genetic yeah. engineering. That was actually a pretty. That was another good example of how they had a good storyline. I don't know why they couldn't make that show work day to day, but they they had some moments. Another thing with the fashion is, um, you know, I've been watching some Buck Rogers periodically. And you can always tell who the bad guy is because they're in the full black leather bodysuit. <laughs> and it's plus like, they have I mean, like a full leather face. Like yeah. They're like always looking like weird trucker guys. Like they don't make any effort not to look like bad guys. Like why, when are bad guys <laughs> going to come in wearing white or something? Why, why do they always have to have the yeah. full jet black suit on? Like of course they're bad guys, Buck. Look at them. Nice. Like Buck's like, I'm <laughs> suspicious of these guys. Like, well, look at them. Come so Buck on. is like, I'm suspicious of these guys. I can't see their balls at all. <laughs> yeah. Like he was always wearing those jumpsuits. That they don't like have bulges. Sizes. Something's weird here. Like, pull your pants down a little, Buck. You're not. I know you're from the past, but let me show you how a jumpsuit works, Rogers. It'd be nice I if we lived in a world where you're at work and some new guy comes in and he's got all black on. You're like, ooh, he's trouble. Yeah, as you could tell, you know. But, Why uh, do they hire that guy? He's he's, he's obviously a bad he's got guy. A, he's got a Fu Manchu. A Come on, that's the best part. Where he's wearing all black leather, has a Fu Manchu. He's got a widow's peak. Like, look at look at him. Come on. I know his hands are glowing. <laughs> like, come on. He's got villain written all over him. That's how I knew Darth Maul was a bad guy in Star Wars. He, he looked like oh, a, of course. a Buck Rogers. Well, but I, I made the comment he looked like a Buck Rogers villain because he had that painted dark face and he had. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, and and early not on, evil he looking. had like some sort of silver gauntlet on. That, yeah. You know. Well, you know, that's one thing we were actually. Ian wrote in and he was saying, you know, wouldn't have been more interesting in Attack of the Clones if Dooku was sort of onto Palpatine and was plotting against him as well. And that's sort of what we're talking about. The problem with the, the plot threading in, in those movies is that 
interesting villains sort of become a slave to the story. Like Palpatine's the only one who's allowed to become a, you know, a, a mastermind. And, you know, Dooku and especially Maul were just there to jump around and get killed. Yeah, it would have been much cooler if Dooku had at least had plans of some kind, or at least appeared to be contributing to the plans. Even if he wasn't plotting against... uh, (laughs) Nerd alert. The cartoon series. (laughs) Let's trip the nerd alert. It's been a while. Dude, I could barely make it through that movie. I Netflixed that movie, and I was like, this is crap. I'm sorry. There, I said it again. Like, well, you're really, right. We're throwing them down tonight, and I'm sorry. That movie was <laughs> crap. I really hated it, and you, I would not watch that show. I, I wanted to watch the show. I just never remembered when it was on. And well, I mean, I've I've watched a few episodes of it, but it's. I mean, you already know what happens, and you're not interested enough to know to, to care about the storyline itself. I'm sick of the Clone Wars so, all together. Yeah, I, I am too. Honestly, I hate I hate to say that, but all right, really, that's the cliche. Let's get rid of it. Clone the Wars. Clone Wars. <laughs> We're done with yeah. it. Within Star Wars, the Clone Wars has become a cliche, no <laughs> doubt. All right, world. Well, we'll be back in a week, and I think there's some more to, we can tap into here. We'll do a second part of this, so we'll return to the world of sci-fi cliches, because it wouldn't be a sci-fi cliche show if we didn't have a sequel so we'll come back to that next week in the meantime to finish this show out with a little something something for you lynn has prepared us a little something special and i couldn't be happier finally the voice of the listeners can be heard because we're all about democracy here on the show so take it away lynn hello out there in that world of podcast land i'm lynn and I'm here to talk to you today about one of my favorite genres of movie, which is the creature movie. Specifically, low-budget, bad CG, large creature with big teeth and much blood pouring out creature movie. My favorite of these at the moment is called Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, that would be Tyrannosaurus W-R-E-C-K-S Rex, as in Rex things, not King of the Jungle Rex. And uh, it's not called that in America, though. It's called some weird, strange title. But Tyrannosaurus Rex is the really good title, which is under in Australia, proving really that Australia is the best country in the world. So, Tyrannosaurus Rex, some strange corporation, company, whatnot, decides that, you know, the best thing to do with this massively cool new technology is to create a big Tyrannosaurus Rex course. And... Of course, there are some baddies who want to come in and steal this new technology, but don't know that there's a big dinosaur in the laboratory. Huh. Fun ensues when the baddies decide to unlock the entire building, letting out the very hungry Tyrannosaurus Rex, who proceeds to eat everyone in sight. Um, cut to some really, really funny dinosaur Tyrannosaurus Rex puppets running about the city, eating people, including a very, very funny gag where the Tyrannosaurus Rex actually... Eat a film crew making a bad B-movie. Great meta-comedy there. Now, with some of the worst dinosaur puppetry I've seen, um, some, some bad CG cut in from, I've heard from other movies, actually, and some quite poor acting by some quite big names like the wonderful Tony Todd. Um, this movie's a must-see. It's just it's very funny, very bad, and worth the $2 I'd pay for it. So... Everybody out there in movie land, watch Tyrannosaurus Rex. 
Bye for now. Dog crazy. Dog crazy.